This is Sunday's Psychedelic Spirit with Aaron Akulis, brought to you by the Peace on Drugs podcast. An excerpt from Britannica. The sun is the bestower of light and life to the totality of the cosmos. With his unblinking, all-seeing eye, he is the stern guarantor of justice. With the almost universal connection of light with enlightenment or illumination, the sun is the source of wisdom. All right, this is a segment that I'm going to start doing on Sundays because I, I do a lot of reading on uh, different spiritual texts. I've you know read things like um, Hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamont, um, you know, which is Christian-based. I read a lot of Zen Buddhism-based thing, things. Um, and a lot of things are going to be just a kind of psychedelic ideas that I've had, kind of combining different ideas from different things that I've read. But the, the, one of the last books I read was, uh, or listened to on Audible, rather, for this one, was um, Revelation by Russell Brand. And he talked about we need to reconnect with the sacred. And I've always thought that you know our society focuses on finance is number one. Make sure you're financially stable. Health would probably be number two, and for a lot of people, it, they don't even consider it. But there is a, a, a large fitness um, population, people that are into fitness. I'm one of them. Go to the gym, go running, make sure you're getting enough exercise. It's very important. But I think I would almost say even a smaller percentage are into this, uh, are in touch with the spiritual world. Now, this would not be true if I counted all um, all people that go to church every Sunday. I still think it's a smaller percentage than they would even want. But um, I, I, I think within the church, a lot of people there aren't getting spirituality. Some people are, and if you're if you're a, a, a you know a very strong believer, strong faith, and you go there and you sing with other people that are believing the way you're believing, and you're feeling that communion with everybody in the room and with God or the universe, um, then yes, you're getting spirituality in that church for sure. I just think like when I grew up going to church, I didn't understand it. I never connected with it and I didn't get spirituality there. And I think a lot of people go because they feel like they have to. They'd rather be watching football. So a lot of the people that go to church aren't actually getting the spirituality, but a small percentage of those are. And a much larger percentage of people don't even go to church. But I think that also a lot of people find spirituality in other places in their life where they might not even realize they are being spiritual. Somebody who's really into their craft, whether it's uh, you know, woodworking. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter, right? So, so if you're really into something like that, or you're really into your art, for me, it's really into my music. You get into this zone where you are actually in a state of meditation. You are in communion with God and with the universe through your craft because you're shut out. Everything else is shut out and quiet. And that's what meditation is. Some people find, you know, whether they're doing yoga or uh, just going doing meditation retreats or doing psychedelics, you know, people are finding the sacred, but I think more people need to be in touch with it. And I think this would, what I'm trying to do here with this is a weekly dose of a little spirituality. I grew up going to church. Um, I don't go to church now. I consider myself agnostic. Not long ago, me and my one of my friends, Josh, were going to try to start like a church for the agnostic, the people who don't have a, a you know, an ideology that they can, you know, read you know old texts that they read that they believe in 100% but they also believe that this there's got to be a purpose for some of this this has to mean something and they want to be in touch with their spiritual self but they can't find it in the churches around town so i was I wanted to create something for people who don't necessarily know what they believe but also if you're a christian and you want to just get a new perspective on 
uh, I, you know, cool, cool little, little things for, to get the week going. This is not like the things that I'm going to talk about are not to clash with Christianity or to clash with, or tell you not to believe whatever you believe. I think that just like there are Zen Buddhist Christians because Zen Buddhism doesn't say this is the one and only God. Christianity might, might be interpreted that way for a lot of its people, but you can be a Christian and believe Jesus, but also do Zen meditations. So that's kind of what this is. This is a, a the, you know Sunday's psychedelic spirit. I just want to do a spiritual podcast based on psychedelic ideas. Now, psychedelic to me doesn't necessarily mean drugs. Um, like Duncan Trussell on his podcast, he talked about the book uh, "A Short History of Nearly Everything" by Bill Bryson, an amazing book. I you know I read it on his recommendation, and he said it's one of the most psychedelic books he's ever read. And not that it's all not that it has anything to do with drugs at all. It's just about what we figured out about the universe. Um, how we figured out, you know, from evolution to the Big Bang to everything, and it was this is a mind-blowing book, and that's so that's kind of the direction I'm going to be going in a lot of these podcasts. Some of them I'll, I will read straight from, you know, a story of, that was, you know, Jesus, or the um, stories from, you know, Islam or whatever, like cool little religious stories I find. But a lot of them will just be kind of different stories tied together, kind of Eckhart Tolle st- style, where it's. No one faith is going to be discussed, but all faiths can be discussed. Uh, just, you know, great lessons for life and cool stories. So today for the first one, I picked sun worship. Now, this is not actual, I didn't go back and research, um, you know, some sun worshiping cult and this is what, what we're going to read from. No, I just have my own theory about the sun. It was based on a few different books that I've read. Uh, the first one was... Um, until the End of Time by Brian Greene. Now that book was uh, almost terrifying for me. It was like, but it's all mathematical. I think he he left out this element of the spirit, the thing we don't know, and he just described the you know the our existence through the Big Bang and through the evolution, of, you know, throughout time, and kind of left out the spirit element and just everything's just particles and random and it not, doesn't mean anything. And I read that right before 2020 lockdown, and it was kind of it kind of messed with me, but um. But he talks about the sun. There's a there's a theory that the sun could be conscious. I'll come back to that. So I've developed my own theory of it's not really sun worship. It's the idea that we're going to get to is that we are the sun. Now that immediately is going to sound absolutely crazy. But if this, the idea we're going to come to is the sun is an, a huge amount of energy that's a huge conscious presence and that we all exist because of the sun. We are all particles of the sun. Um, as people say that we are stardust, whatever. We are. We are from that. So we are the sun experiencing the universe outside of that the huge ball of consciousness that is a big ball of flames, which is the ultimate consciousness. And we are all just beams of light. And so there was a, um, I'm going to read one thing, because if you remember, if any of you into you know, grew up in the church like I did, there was this idea that Jesus on the third day when he rose from the dead, he turned into, you know, he exploded into light. And that's how he kind of went to heaven was in through an explosion of light. And there are actual um, stories all over the East of uh, people um, that are so, um, become, you know, such Buddhists that they found such enlightenment that they actually burst into light. And there was a Catholic priest that actually went uh, exploring for these stories because he was interested because he's, that's, that's what happened with Jesus and that Jesus might not have been the only, you know, the way the Christian says he's the only light to heaven, but there might have been many people throughout history that have actually done this. And, and it sounds bizarre to me. I'm not saying I actually believe people do explode a light, 
but I'm not. I'm saying that we don't know that they can't either. So this is from page 207 in the Immortality Key. Thousands of years before Jesus or the Lamas interviewed by Father Francis, the Egyptian pharaohs are said to have acquired the light body of a shining spirit that allowed them to traverse the starry afterlife. A light body. I love that. So if we are just the sun, experiencing ourselves subjectively in this in this, uh, you know, meat body or whatever, then we ultimately would explode into light, and then we could traverse, you know, the universes. But more as I think as a collective, universal feeling of consciousness, and not just as I still get to be Aaron, because Aaron is everything that's about this body and this life. And once this life's done, that energy that is experiencing this will be gone. And so I'm going to get into how I'm going to explain all this in a way that I think you can understand and appreciate. I think it's extremely fascinating. And none of this I'm saying is, this is all just food for thought, um, things to contemplate. I think it's really fascinating. So... Here goes the idea. So I'm so the original title for my podcast, The Peace on Drugs, was going to be Infinite in All Directions. And the idea was I come up with a, a cool little talking point and we go there, but then we go in any direction we want and talk about anything infinite in all directions. And then I, I kind of realized that's just pretty much every podcast, just that's how they work. So I decided to go with the Peace on Drugs podcast because it's um, a, a subject that's very important to me that I, I think we're doing everything horribly wrong with this war on drugs. Uh, that's what the podcast is about. Today, though, is about the spirit. So uh, so anyway, Kevin, my buddy Kevin McGinnis told me about this book, Infinite in All Directions, by uh, Freeman Dyson. And so I was, I was thinking the name of my podcast, that, and I decided I didn't want to um, name a podcast after a book I hadn't read. So I, first things first, I was going to read the book. So I ordered the book, and I just got done with Brian Greene's book that kind of messed with me. I wasn't ready for another book about physics, but it was actually really cool because he talks more about the idea that there could be something else. His wasn't so mathematical. I mean, it was. He's a physicist, but he also he kind of uh, left room for those who want to include the spirit and the fact that there, there is purpose. But one of the stories he told that was so fascinating, it's just like, a, it's like imagine this situation and then think about what consciousness is. So I'm going to put it in context of like um, you and one of your friends. So say, or say, let's say me, me and you, let's say you're one of my friends and, I, and, and there's this new technology. They just figured out teleportation. So I get, we're going to get into a little science fiction here. We're going to bring it back to actual science, and then we're going to get into the um, you know metaphysical universe. So we're going to go all over the place. But um, so teleportation has has been developed, and they can send you straight to Mars in a matter of seconds. They deconstruct all your atoms in your body, and then they reassemble them on Mars. And um, but as this technology is coming out, there's a lot of mistakes. You know, people show up with missing limbs or deformations, and they um. So it's all trial studies, and, and they're trying to figure it out. Finally, they figured it out. They fixed the glitch. There is no now 100% of people making it to Mars make it without any problems. It's completely safe. And if you're like me, you're like, yeah, no, not doing that. And then I get a call, say from like Joe Rogan or somebody's like, hey, I want you to be on my podcast, but I've restationed to Mars. And I'm like, all right, I really want to do this podcast. It's going to be great to get some more listeners and have a discussion with Joe Rogan or or if it was Duncan Trussell or whoever. I got to get to Mars. So I tell you, and you're my friend, I'm like, I'm going to Mars. You want to go with me? And you're like, no, hell no, I'm not 
getting all my molecules, you know, reassembled on Mars. So I go without you. I go to, and I, I, I drive to the place to do the teleportation. Two hours later, I call you. And I'm like, oh my God, you will not believe. You will not believe. Like it's, I, all of a sudden I'm in this building and all of a sudden I'm on Mars, dude. I'm on Mars. And I'm telling you all about it. And it makes you think like, wow, that's crazy. And it's clearly me. I'm talking to you. And then you hear me on Joe Rogan. You're like, oh my God, that was a great podcast. And then we're both talking about this teleportation. And, um, and then say Rogan's like, I got tickets to the UFC fight, the first UFC fight on Mars, you know, Martian style. And I was like, holy shit, I got two free tickets to one of the biggest fights in the history of the world. First fight to ever take place on another planet. And I call you and I'm like, do you want to go to this fight with me? Now you're like, all right, time to see what this teleportation's all about. I'm going to Mars. So you pack your bags, you go to this place. And when, once you sign the waiver, you're in, you're going, you get into this airtight chamber and now you're locked in. There's no getting out. You're, you're going to Mars. And they scan your body. And then that's when you figure out, well, how they figured out the glitch of people showing up with de deformations was they wait till your, all your atoms in your body are copied and they wait till they are reconstructed on Mars. They make sure you make it safe there first before they disassemble your, mo your molecules you have now. So... You're sitting there in this tube, and they're like, all right, congratulations, you made it to Mars. And you see in a video you going, oh my God, this is crazy, I'm here. And you see me there meeting you, you know, your body's there, and, you're, and they're like, all right, congratulations, you made it to Mars safely in one piece. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, deconstruct your molecules now. You're immediately going to be like, no, and then psh, you don't exist anymore. Now, none of those... Um, copies up on Mars would have any idea that that's even what happened because as soon as the scan was made, they showed up with all their memories of past life, of, of their lives growing up as children. Everything just showed up so to them, their whole life existed as, one, as, as they could imagine, as the continuous being all the way up to that place of getting into that teleportation machine and then being alive on Mars with their friends. And, and it's all the same exact people because all their atoms are the same. But what happened to your consciousness when you walked in there? Because there's no way when they scrambled your, your, you know, all your molecules that you all of a sudden woke, were like caught up to the other being and were like, oh, <laughs> here I am. Nah, you would be gone. Or this conscious, this, ex this experience you have now would be gone. And one thing Freeman Dyson brings up is what, what makes it consciousness, what makes our lives our lives is the continuity of existence. The fact that we have that. Um, continuation. So imagine like Timothy Leary, right? He got his brain frozen in case there was ever a way that they could revive him. Well, if they revive that consciousness, who is? Is it Tim? Does Timothy Leary just feel like he took a really long nap? And here's the thing that consciousness probably would feel like that. That's exactly what that consciousness that woke up would feel. They would feel that they just took a long nap, but the original awareness that went away was gone. So what the, what the hell is that? That doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Also, you can't say we have continuity of consciousness when every single night there are periods that we don't have any idea what's going on. We just wake up every day and start playing the role of our current consciousness. And that brings me to what we actually are. We are 
all the same energy, the same awareness, and we are experiencing a subjective reality in this body. Every morning we wake up, that's our experience. But every single experience is, the, is from the same larger consciousness. I've described it before as like a mycelium. Like a, uh, So mycelium is mushrooms. Mushrooms grow. When you see a bunch of mushrooms in the dirt, you think of them as separate entities. But really, they're all the same plant. They're connected by underground mycelium. It's like, think of apples on a tree. It's like a bunch of different apples that are connected by the tree, the mycelium under, under the ground. So I've said that human beings, we are connected by this mycelium network that kind of makes us all our own consciousness and it's almost like what i'm saying in this podcast is what if the sun is the ultimate source um this brings us to the uh the radio analogy that i've talked about in the last podcast where it was um in the russell brand book he talks about if a primitive person were to stumble upon a radio and turn it on and music started coming out they go they wouldn't understand it. They're like, well, how is this generating this sound? And they say they cut one wire and all of a sudden the bass is gone. They figure out, all right, well, this is what generates the bass. And then so, so on and so forth as they figure out the components. They cut this one speaker, they lose the left side. Well, the left side must be made in this speaker. Um, so we, as we're trying to understand what the brain is, we figure, you know, say if, you, if somebody loses their eyeballs, they, they, they no longer can see anything. If they lose their frontal lobe, they lose empathy. So all these little things we're figuring out about human consciousness, and we're like, well, that's because the human brain is, is creating this consciousness. But what if consciousness is actually being projected like a radio beam from somewhere else, say the sun, and basically we are alive and experiencing consciousness through this much more dense consciousness and we are just living in this carnation until we, when we finally pass away, that the radio beam cuts off. And the consciousness itself, we, that we are, we are. We were just one little beam of, of a bigger light. And when we die, we just go right back to being everything. And um, it's a very powerful thing. So I wanted to, uh, so get, we're going to go transition to how the sun kind of comes into the play of why that's the source of the energy. I mean, it could be just obvious to you, like, well, of course, the sun's, everything exists because of the sun. But let's get into why exactly I think that could be the case. So it's time to get to the Big Bang. Now, the Big Bang, I didn't really understand at all what it was until I read Brian Greene's book, Until the End of Time. And I'll say this, I still guarantee that my that I have a, a layman's understanding of it but I understand it far better than I did before so as I explain to you how the Big Bang works um, if you're a physicist don't be yelling at the um, you know yelling at your radio or however you listen to this just shoot me an email you know come on the show Ex explain where I got it wrong I'd love love to sit down with a physicist and talk about this I don't know how many physicists are listening to this but but if you are out there please send me messages but I'm um, so also I want to talk about Christians seem to have a, a huge problem with the Big Bang because it contradicts the story of Adam and Eve. Now, the story of Adam and Eve would have to be metaphorical or just a story of the of the Jewish origin story of how, you know, it, but it, it has to be metaphorical because there's no way that first that there were just two people and then all the people came from those two people. Science has already proven that's not the case. And also, so I brought this up to my mom. So my mom is very religious. And I'm not, like I say, this podcast, I am not here to bash any religion. Like, And I've said this before. The only, like, I think really you can believe whatever you want as long as you're not hurting somebody else. And for me, that also includes standing on a street corner yelling at homosexuals saying they're going to hell. That is hurting people. 
And I think you're missing the point of spirituality. And I know that these old books have a lot of old ideas, and that is because they were written by people. But that doesn't mean what the people that wrote it experienced weren't forms of, of exceptional you know, mysticism that they wrote about and that some of these stories don't have truth to them and you can't believe in them, but you can't cherry pick. I mean, I always wanted to do this bit as like a, I think I'm going to try to do this as a routine where I stand out there as one of those crazy Christians yelling, but I'm not yelling about homosexuality. I'm yelling about shrimp because the Bible says not to eat shellfish, but it's like the guy picks homosexuality. That's what he's yelling about. And, and there's a guy in Fort Myers Beach and that's all he yells about is homosexuality. And it's like, well, there's a lot of other stuff in the Bible for you to be upset about if you want to be upset. Like, why is that the one thing? And clearly it's probably because he has feelings of, of that he's ashamed of himself, which is a sad kind of thing that happens because people are told how horrible it is to be um, homosexual by their upbringing in their church. And then when they have those feelings themselves, they begin to hate themselves and they turn that hate to hating other people. So you have to have some sympathy for those people, too. They're, they're almost like a sickness. So, But it's like he's just yelling about homosexuality. So I want to just be like, because you're at the beach, right? Everybody's eating shrimp. Just sit there and just yell, you're going to hell. Shrimp cocktails, coconut shrimp, fried shrimp, you're all going to burn. But, but um, I think it'd be a funny bit to do. But um, so, so back to uh, my mom being religious, and, and she's a, a very sweet person, and, and, I, and I almost feel bad that she, she wants me to um, you know, convert to Christianity because she's worried for my immortal soul. And I wish I could just like just lie and just say, like, I've accepted Jesus, blah, blah, blah. But that's just not in my nature. And I don't think that's the right thing to do either. So when she, but she, so usually, usually she just avoids the conversation with me. But the other day she called me and she just wanted to let me know that her and my father would be gone soon because of the rapture's coming. And any day now they'll be gone, along with a lot of my family that are all Christians, that they will be, they will mysteriously disappear and be taken to heaven. And um, she really wanted me to convert, you know, because she hates the idea that I'll be left here for tribulation, but I still have time because there's different beliefs in that, but I'm not going to get into tribulation. But she's basically like, you still have time. She's like, so she made me promise her that if she gets raptured, have her and my father and, the, and my rest of my family that are believers and pretty much all the believers in the world all of a sudden disappear, I promise that I would accept Jesus and, you know, get back into the Bible. And so I made that promise. And here's the thing. I didn't make, that wasn't an empty promise. Because if they disappear and all the Christians are just gone, well, okay. Now, see, now there's actual proof I can get behind. I'm, this, this, this happened. Okay, where's my Bible? I'm about to go through tribulation. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to get to heaven. Because then I, I could believe it. But the thing is, that's not going to happen. At least I do not think that's going to happen. But, um. So when I, when I when she started talking about the Bible, I was like, Mom, I was reading, I read, a few years ago, I tried to read the Bible again. And the first, I can't get past the first chapter of Genesis. And I know people would say you should start with the New Testament and blah, blah. But I'm just, when I, I, re, I like to read a book front to back. And granted, I've read a lot of the Bible in Bible school, you know, different parts. So I know a lot of the stories. And there's some really cool stories in there. And I want to do some on this podcast. I'm not... I'm not going to hate on Christianity. I'm not going to hate on Islam. I, like I say, there are th uh, certain uh, radical versions of these religions where people take certain things either out of context or just old ideas that shouldn't be in there anymore, and they use them to hurt people. But I, um, I, I'm starting at Genesis, I'm reading it, and God creates the earth and six or the, everything in six days and rests on the seventh, and 
he creates man. Now, you know, if he creates man, he takes a rib from Adam and then creates woman from man. So that's, that's a, almost like a sexist thing right off the top. I shouldn't say almost. It is a sexist thing off the talk, top. God made man in his image, and then he made woman in man's image. And even there's an Old Testament thing that says women should keep their hair long to be ashamed. Uh, men should keep their hair short to be proud because they're the image of God. And you think about other religions where women wear those head, those things all over their head, you know, cover themselves in the Islam and stuff. So it's, it's kind of spread out through all religions where women are supposed to be kind of hidden. And anyway, so, the, so God creates the first two people, Adam and Eve. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Well, Cain kills Abel. And as punishment, God says, all right, you know, we're going to put a mark I'm going to put a mark on you so where everybody knows that you're a murderer. And um, that's also, there's a lot of people might understand that there's some, you know, Nazi, I don't know if it's Nazi, but there's some like Ku Klux Klan style racism that was used in that, that they believe the descendants of Cain were the Africans and that they were cursed. And that's why they're violent and everything else. Which, uh, and I'm not saying that they are violent. That's what they, these racist people are saying. Um, but that's so they've used the Bible to justify treating women bad, treating African Americans bad, or Africans bad, and but again, I'm, people don't translate. Everybody doesn't translate the Bible that way. And if you're not using the Bible that way, that's fine. And most people don't. My parents don't use that story to justify racism. Uh, but I, I just asked her the question about this. So Cain, so the, so God marks Cain, so everybody would know that Cain was a murderer, and he also gets banished from wherever his family lived and he had to go out into the world and he um and he tells god he's like well god if people see this mark on me they're gonna murder me because they'll know that i've done this and god said i'll protect you i'll make it to where nobody can i'm I'm not getting this exactly right but this is the basic premise god's like i'll make it to where you nobody can touch you and so immediately i'm like well who are all these other people because there's two people they have two kids one kills the other and then there's just all these other people so Again, I'm sure this, there's, they found ways to explain that away. But the truth is, the story doesn't mean anything. It's just an old story. And in, in, in the book Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, that was really really great book, he talks about the idea that the original story may have been the expulsion from the garden, or the expulsion from the garden of Eden was the when we went from hunter-gatherer to agriculture. And that's the cool thing when I was thinking about the sun god thing. The agricultural societies... Uh, before those, there was no like sun worship, or at least nothing that I know of that predates agriculture. It wasn't until we started manipulating nature and trying to control it to where we grew our own food, to where we could have bigger populations, that we started relying on rain to come into one certain area. We needed it here because we're growing here. And if it wasn't raining, they started sacrificing people and trying to figure out, well, what do we have to do to the gods to get it to rain? And then when it rains, thank you, God. And all these gods started coming up and these stories started being told. And that goes into, I don't want to get too much much off the tangent, but the idea that you can only have 150 people that you actually can have an actual, um, you know, emotional connection with beyond 150, we started like, ah, if something happens, you don't care as much. So in order for societies that were, you know, started, in the, you know, back then in Mesopotamia, in the thousands, well, you had to tell fictional stories to make us all brother and sister on a larger scale. So we like, oh, we're all Jewish. So then you're in the family. Okay, so now we can connect. So that's how these um, religions kind of started, and so you know, I was thinking sun worship. How old does that go? Well, it didn't go back to the hunter and gatherer societies because the hunter and gatherer societies, you got to think, they were a part of nature. Where the herds went, they followed so they could hunt. 
and the the herds picked where they would go because that's where the, the the food was growing that they needed to eat. They followed the weather patterns, the rain patterns, the, the seasons, and so they moved and flowed with all of the earth, and that's how we were supposed to live. And the expulsion from the garden was all of a sudden we're going to start having bigger societies and, and start having property that we have to defend. And now we're going to start having these crazy stories that we're telling, fictional stories that are getting turned into you know justifications of genocide, all these things. So, so anyway, this goes back to, let's go back to my mom's talking to me about the rapture. They're going to be gone. And, um, Sorry if I lose track every once in a while where I'm just kind of like, I might change subject too fast or something, but I, I get kind of uh, you know on tangents, and then I'm like, I just got to get back to where I was. So anyway, I'm talking about, oh, it was about the garden, and I'm, you know, I'm asking my mom. It's like, you couldn't even explain that. You couldn't even explain, like, like you're telling me to get into this book, but you can't explain the opening chapter. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And she's like, oh, but like two atoms collide and the whole universe exists makes sense. And and I, and I understand her problem with it. But see, the thing is, is, the Christians who don't like the Big Bang Theory don't understand the Big Bang Theory. They don't know what actually it is. They just think, oh, nothing, and then all of a sudden something. And they're like, well, and I'm like, well, actually, they, you know, it just started with these little molecules. Well, where'd they come from? And I'm like, all right, well, where'd God come from? Well, God's always been. Okay, well, those molecules have always been. I don't know, like, how is that a different argument? So, but there is a theory of where those molecules come from. This is where it gets kind of cool. I like this part of the story. So, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna explain the Big Bang the best I can from, uh, you know, a layman's perspective after reading uh, Brian Greene's book. Um, there's a few, there's like a few molecules, and by a few, I mean a few million, I believe it was, like millions of molecules, but they fit within like a billionth of a centimeter space. Like they're the smallest amount, but there's just millions of molecules just bouncing around like fizz in that little, little space. And people go, well, where did that come from? Well, there's a theory that there was a whole nother universe. And eventually a universe will get sucked into a black hole once a certain amount of, uh, you know, mass generates. It'll be, it'll, everything will start orbiting it. And over, we're talking trillions of years, eventually the universe will get sucked back into a black hole. And the idea is that once it gets so dense, it could tear a small little tear into another dimension and that those little molecules that seeped in in that billionth of a centimeter space were just a little, like a little fart from another universe right through to the tear. And then there they are just sitting there in nothingness. So now, oh, and they say, and then people say, well, where did that universe come from? And I go, well, it came from a tear in another dimension. Well, where did that dimension come from? Well, it came from a tear and so on and so forth. Infinite number of universes. Infinity is a crazy, crazy concept. So, um, and this brings me back to Stephen Hawking's book, um, A Brief History of Time. This is pretty fascinating to me. In A Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking uh, opens it. I'm pretty sure I got the right book. I didn't. I don't have some of these books to do the research on. So, um, I just I, things that I've read. I'm pretty sure it was Stephen Hawking's The Opening of A Brief History of Time where there's a scientific like briefing or whatever the science the scientist is up there explaining the new theory for the big bang or whatever and this old woman stands up and she goes it's like it's like this is all a bunch of bull everybody knows that the earth is sitting on the back of a giant turtle and everybody kind of laughed like crazy woman and then so the scientist says to her okay so what's the turtle sitting on and or standing on whatever and she looks at the scientist, she goes, oh, you think you're so clever. 
it's turtles all the way down. And I love that expression. I had to look up that expression because of the Sergio Simpson song. But that, that she said, turtles all the way down. It's just one universe sitting on top of a universe. And basically, it's like she could actually be closer to being right than anybody. It's universe after universe after universe. Now, none of that really gives us purpose. And I think that's the problem the Christians would have. Well, they need purpose. They need everlasting light. They need to know that they're going to be with their children in the afterlife. All these things that are kind of human characteristics of being in this carnation that when that we, when we're when we're finally released, it'll, life will be such a bigger thing that we won't realize that none of that really mattered. We think of ourselves as being too important. I also think that's a product of the agricultural revolution. Once we started creating culture and ownership, we, our, our individual identity, because before that, there was just everybody dressed the same with whatever materials they had in the areas they were traveling. So there was no separation with culture other than just the climates you lived in. And there was just living and dying and living and dying. And I think it was a very warm and, and spiritual way of the life. And I think there was, mo, mo, there was not depression and I need anxiety medicine. Everything was just go with the flow with nature and it was fine. And then we started creating, like, we think of ourselves as being way too important. Like, well, this is my story. i got to tell my story. What's the point of having all this? There was no point. There never was. We should never have been such individuals. But now that we are here, live live the best you can as this individual. And some people are shedding that, right? Shed the ego. Shed the ego. And I can kind of I, I get that. For me, I kind of enjoy some of my individuality because it's it's been programmed into us now. But so... Anyway, got, got off the little bit of uh, you know, tangent there, but the idea that it's universe after universe after universe, turtles all the way down. And so some people might need more purpose than it just being all random. But I, I think that we're going to find more purpose as I move on with this idea of the sun. So now we got to talk about the Big Bang. What is the Big Bang? So this is my understanding of it. So you have all these millions of little particles within a billionth of a centimeter space, like fizz, just say, well, what's, what's the chance that at some point every one of those molecules would be on a, like, would be all perpendicular, right? All of them would be at the same height, like, and if you looked in a micro, like, like if you looked in a microscope, you'd see, like, it would look like a, a little hit of acid, a little square piece of paper, because all the molecules were just at the same exact plane. And um, the answer to that is, astronomical the number is so exponential it's, it's a number i don't even know it's like it's it, it could take trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of years and still not happen but but mathematically it could happen two seconds it could happen in trillions of years it just it's just it's all random so you might be asking well why, why does that matter i'll get to that it does matter but so here's the way I like to imagine it. Imagine a stadium or a, um, a coliseum in outer space. You're in outer space, there's a coliseum, and they just throw a bunch of bouncy balls, millions of bouncy balls in the coliseum, and they're all just bouncing. There's no gravity, so they're just going to continue to bounce. At what point could you be sitting there and all of a sudden you see, completely see the ceiling, completely see the floor, and just in the middle there's this flat surface of balls, and then only for a split second, and then they bounce back in a different way. So... So imagine that now. So that's what we're looking for. But when that happens, they lock in. They don't continue to bounce. So once that you're sitting there, now it would happen in about a billionth of a second, though. So you wouldn't see anything. Once those molecules lock, this is where I'm going to get probably a little off of the actual facts of, or the science on this because I don't completely understand. This was all above my level of understanding. I, you know, I haven't taken a math class since high school. But um, basically, I think the idea is that the, the, the 
all their energies would lock in and you would have an explosion. An explosion would happen exponentially. So just imagine it this way. This is how I like to imagine. I'm not sure if this is exactly how it happens, but the, the center molecule, the one in the middle, explodes. And then the, the next rung around the first one, they explode twice as strong as the first one. And then the next rung, four times as much, and the next one, eight times as much. And you got to understand that molecules, the energy that's locked in those is, is a lot anyway. And by the time you get out to the millions, the exponential explosion of millions, within like a billionth of a second, the, it was explosion so large that the entire universe came into existence. So, and why it's important of, of the difference between, if, you know, for those uh, molecules to align, why if it takes a trillion years or two seconds, that really doesn't matter when the, the only thing that exists in this, in this dimension is those molecules that can, are contained within a billionth of an inch or a billionth of a centimeter or whatever. So two seconds versus 20 trillion years makes no difference. There's no consciousness there to, to be sitting there like tapping his watch like, all right, guys, it's been a trillion years. How many more do we have? You know, this just doesn't matter. So it might as well have happened immediately, right? Because it just, however long it takes, just isn't a point of it. Because eventually over infinity, it's going to eventually happen. And I think, so So basically, and also just to reiterate the the exponential explosion, if you have these molecules, one time, like the first rung, one times two is two, times three is six, times four is 24, times five is 120, times six is 720, times seven is 5,040. So it would have got 5,000 times bigger of an explosion just by the seventh rung. So when you get to the millions, that's how the explosion was so large to immediately, all of a sudden, boom, explosion the entire universe has now come into existence from this one little thing that happened, whether it be two seconds or a trillion years. And when this happened, all the elements that exist in the universe were, were exploded into the into the entire universe. So here we have all these different um, molecules and uh, different things floating through space. And then you would find pockets, certain pockets in outer space where they were more dense. And so the more dense areas that were floating in space would kind of you know, come together and then gravity would, would pull more and more together and they would start becoming these huge masses. And once they got a certain amount of mass, the center would, would ignite. And it was a nuclear fusion or fission, one of the two, would ignite. And then all of a sudden, boom, a star is born. So you have a huge burning star. These stars were something like 100 times bigger than our sun or 100 times bigger than the biggest suns out there now, or the biggest stars out there now. So so these huge balls, and they were very unstable. So then they would explode, and then, you know, over however many more millions of years, they would turn into new stars. And I think our our sun might be the, the grand, the, be the, considered the grandson of the, of the uh, first original suns or the great-grandson one. So they finally got stable enough to not keep exploding. However, they were still unstable enough to, to have all kinds of explosions on their surface, blasting out different... Um, you know, rock material basically that would harden and then orbit them. And there come the planets. So, and eventually you have one of these that happens to explode out of the sun and start spinning around the, around its orbit. And it starts creating life on its own, like a, say instability on its own where little molecules would separate and become their own identities and then re, and they replicate. And then they would become more and more, more, um, complex and eventually you know where i'm getting with this eventually through survival of the fittest 
And honestly, if you just don't believe in evolution, you can understand we could be totally just figuring out how God created the universe. Those first molecules might have not been sucked in through a black hole. They could have been the sparkle in the eye of God. We do not know. So just if you believe in Jesus and God, fit this into the story because it, well, this is what science has figured out. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't like the idea of evolution, it's, it's too bad. That's, that's what happened. Um, survival of the fittest is a thing. And, it, and you're like, well, why isn't it happening today? Because it takes millions and millions of years for, for small changes to happen. But you, I tell you right now, um, evolution happens. How do you think that keep having mutations of this coronavirus? It's because as it replicates, it changes certain things about it. And that's the same thing that happens with human beings and with animals. They replicate over and over and certain little things change. And over time, you can see drastic differences. So anyway, just getting past that for those that are religious that aren't, aren't on board for evolution, we evolved until all of a sudden eventually becoming up to the person you are today, sitting here listening to this. And basically, that means we are the sun. 100% came birth from the sun and replicated, and all of a sudden, here we are experiencing. And this brings me to an Alan Watts thing, thing he said. We are the universe experiencing itself. Or looking back at itself, one of this. But it's a great quote because we are products birthed of the universe. So our experience is the beauty and wonder of our own selves because we are part of the universe. So this idea, so now let's get into the sun's consciousness. So I'm reading uh, Until the End of Time, and it's really, I hate it because I couldn't find the book. I, 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 oh, I know I own it. I don't think I'll let anybody borrow it, but I cannot find it. It's not on my bookshelves. So I was going to actually read the direct quote or quote it directly. But basically, he was saying that there's multiple theories of what consciousness is, what our own self-awareness is, and we don't really have any answer. We're not even very close to figuring it out. And one of the problems is, is we have to use our consciousness to figure out what it is, and that makes it almost an impossible task. But there are theories of what consciousness is, and one of them, if you applied the same rules of what this theory would be, which is something to do with a certain amount of um, molecules working together at the same thing at the same, you know, I'm totally messing this up. This is why I wanted to find it. But there's something, there's a theory, basically. There's a mathematical theory of what consciousness may, might be. And this same theory, if it were true, could also apply to the sun with the amount of energy the sun has. The sun could be conscious. Now, you could, now if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. The sun, like the sun's up there like, hey, guys, just up here, you're hanging out. Like you're thinking human consciousness. I'm thinking ultimate consciousness. This is when if you ever meditate or you're in that place when you say you feel God in the church, you feel that moment where of euphoria and connection to everything, whether it's through psychedelics, whatever, and all of a sudden it's like this huge, this amazing silence in this presence of like this ultimate presence imagine that that's what the sun is is this is like that times a billion or a trillion just that burning sense of awe and it's just like this orgasmic euphoric ball of love and it's just up there burning and and then basically it's projecting consciousness and awareness across the entire you know th throughout our solar system and projected life on the earth and you got to say you got to admit something about this idea of sun worship or being the sun or saying we are products of the sun is if the sun were to blow up we are completely gone we need the sun for everything on this planet to work we are the re the sun is the reason this planet even exists so the idea that we could be a subjective little piece of consciousness that is actually transmitted from the sun is not as crazy as it sounds i think it's just as probable as any other thing. And honestly, I'm actually starting to think that we are some sort of like, you know, just 
we are a, a, a you know imagine a shard of light that's encapsulated in a in a temporary you know body that we are existing and that's where the most pure that we've talked about on the earth that they, they, they the stories are they they burst into beams of light because that's what we all are to begin with and you know at some point when you when we do expire we will become back to being just everything and that that's that's an idea of what god is so that's my basic uh uh, this Sunday's uh, Sunday psychedelic spirit for this week, that's the kind of idea. It's something to think about, food for thought, that we are all one consciousness. I'll have somebody do the quote. I've done it on the other podcast. It's, this is uh, Bill Hicks. He says, Today a young man on acid realized all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all of one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about, that this is all just a, a strange, um, a, like almost an illusion of what life is, that the sun or the energy, the ultimate consciousness gets to experience itself in this little subjective thing. And it's not just humans I'm talking about. It's the birds and the insects and the wolves and everything else all experiencing this one thing. And we're supposed to be a balance and a connection. And then again, are we supposed to be anything? Why can't we be off balance if at all the end is going to be back to the same energy? And I think ultimately that is the case. That ultimately, whatever happens, it'll be okay. Even if it means, and I, I don't, don't want to say this, like you can justify dumping oil into lakes and killing all the birds because in the end we all go back to the same energy. No, I, I don't, because here's the thing. For one, I don't know if anything I'm saying is, is, is actually accurate. What we do know, though, is that harmony around the world would mean that the consciousness was having a better time. Think about this. If your consciousness were all different experiences across the globe of animals and, and everything was just harmonious and you're sitting there in this meditative state, imagine if one of those species kind of got a little out of control and figured out, how that they could kind of start destroying all the other animals and all of a sudden the other animals were suffering and you have water buffalo scared of bombs and eating opium. You have all these things happening across the the globe and, and then you have genocide and then all of a sudden there's an imbalance within the people. You have a very small percentage of people who have all the fun and all the wealth and the yachts and you have a, a lot larger portion of the world that's starving and or barely getting by and living in tent shanties and and so your own, if that all is one consciousness, then our ultimate home is 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 kind of clink. It's like it's not in balance, and it's and it's undesirable. What we need is to have a more balanced, uh, you know, balanced uh, collective consciousness because of everything that we live. And honestly, this goes back again to the agricultural revolution. But problem is, we can't go back. There is no going back. I mean. Could we, in theory? Yeah, but we're not going to. You're not going to get enough people to say, and also because there are far too many people to hunt and gather now. You cannot have this amount of people and then just go hunt in the wild and everybody live that way because it takes a lot of land to live that way. Just think about grass-fed beef versus the way we feed them in these um, industrial farms. Grass-fed have to roam a certain amount of area, so a lot more area has to be cleared for that. Same with hunter and gather. So you'd have to immediately wipe out most of the human race. So we're not going back that way, and I don't think we should, but we should figure out a way to do with what we have with technology, with where we've got, to figure out how to get 
a more egalitarian society where people are more equal. And this is, I'm not thinking communism either. Don't think I'm like going in some hippie direction with communism. No, we, we need to use um, the motivational tools of, of humanity through, I think, a capitalism, but implementing some socialistic ideas, making, um, and we really got to shift the balance from, everything's just very off balance right now. But the best way I think we can start with that is for you yourself to get in balance, get in tuned with the universe. So I'm going to end this with, um, again, this was food for thought for the week. Think about it, discuss it. And um, for now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get into a meditation. Let's try and really feel what the sun is, like that. what that energy, ultimate energy is. Now, I'm gonna end this podcast here because there's no point in me sitting here in silence for 10 minutes doing this with you. Let me say this, if you're listening to this and you're in the car driving, you can meditate when you're driving. You can meditate when you're, jogging. You can meditate when you're doing anything because what it is, is it's shutting off that incessant flow of language that's going through your brain constantly. So if you're driving, turn off the music, maybe roll the windows down if it's not too hot or whatever. Um, Fuck it. If it's too hot, that's even better. Roll the windows down. Experience the world. If it's too cold, whatever you're feeling, roll the windows down. Experience. Just be in the moment and be, obviously you can't close your eyes and not, you have to you are actually the more the safest driver at that point because you're 100% aware of exactly what it is you're doing. You are driving. You know where you're going. And that's all you think about is what you're doing right then and still feel that, that energy flow of you going through the motion of what you're doing at the moment. And when you start to get able to do that in other aspects of your life to where you're almost in a meditative state when you're at work and doing these other things, you're going to grow your spirituality is going to grow, and it's going to be contagious. Other people will feel that, and that's what we want. We want a, we want a, a global, like a global consciousness awakening. Um, so that's that's what we're trying to. I'm trying to help with this uh, little Sunday edition. I'm going to try to do one of these every Sunday. I don't know if all of them will be as complex. Some of them might be a very short five minute for the week. I read something from you know the Four Agreements or one of the other books that I love. So thank you so much for listening, and I love you all. And, and just remember that we are all the same energy born of the same star to hurt your neighbor is to hurt yourself we are all infinite and we will all shine on now spend the next 10 minutes in the moment experiencing only the present and then enjoy your sunday and everyone please above all be kind